Hello. Happy Easter to all of you. God bless you. He is risen. What did you say? He is risen indeed. You're exactly right. We're celebrating a blessed Easter Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us from your home with your family or loved ones or friends. Blessed you can be doing that today. God is working even in the midst of all that's taken place. Today's message is coming from Mark chapter 16. It'll be a little bit different. Today's message has to do with some things that you read and perhaps don't put in the same context that you will see them today. But we're actually going to look at 10 consistent dynamics and significant dynamics that testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what makes biblical Christianity unique and different. In fact, without it, there is no biblical Christianity. All we have is a liar, a misguided person. As Josh McDowell said years and years ago, an evidence that demands a verdict, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. We believe he is the Lord. And today, what I want to look at is these 10 dynamics. Not one of them by itself leads to the same conclusion. But when you put all 10 of these together, I think you're going to see it makes the case that testifies to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Follow us along today in Mark chapter 16. We'll be starting in verses 1, 2, and 3. And the first significant dynamic we're going to look at is the women, the women that were involved in the resurrection story. If you'll bring that up for us today, we're going to see it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene married the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Very interesting, isn't it? When you're just reading into that, you might think, well, It's just telling the story, and it is telling the story, but there's a whole lot there. Stay with me as we look at some of these dynamics. Remember, these are 10 significant dynamics that speak to the truth of the resurrection. Let's look at it. First of all, they witnessed Jesus' death. I have the verses up here in Mark 15, 40. They're not laid out on the screen, but you can look them up. They're laid out so you can see them. Mark 15, 40, they witnessed Jesus' death. They stayed there up until the point that he died. They witnessed Jesus' burial, Mark 15, 47. They went to the tomb. They knew that Jesus had died. How do we know that? Those reasons we just said, they witnessed his death. The centurion witnessed his death. Pilate even asked the centurion, what happened? And he qualified the fact Jesus had died. Someone who was an expert in execution told Pilate before he released the body to Joseph of Arimathea. He had to qualify it, and the centurion told him, told him Jesus died. They knew Jesus died, and they bought spices to embalm him. They weren't out to waste money. It was quite costly. So it qualifies some things about these women. Something else I want you to see. They were honest and moral people. They didn't break the Sabbath law to take care of the body of Jesus. What does that tell us? It tells us something about the integrity of these women. They loved Jesus. They wanted to be with Jesus and take care of him. But they were so honest. They were so moral. They had so much integrity. They did not break the Sabbath law to go ahead and embalm the body. They waited until after the Sabbath. 
Now, these women were not some hysterical, crazy people that just went out to just go uh, be emotively moved without any substance to it. How do I know? Well, their senses were present. They're not hysterical or delusional. They asked the question on the way to the tomb, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So they're quite interested. They're quite together. They know what they're doing. They're not delusional, not hysterical. They will ask a very good question. Who's going to do that? These stones, by the way, were usually round in shape with a little groove in front of the entrance to the tomb. And when they had that, the stone would fit into that little groove. It's kind of a, a little round groove, and it was quite heavy, sometimes weighing a ton or more, quite heavy. So they ask these sensible questions, giving these women credible witness. They saw the crucifixion. They saw where he was buried. They went to the burial site, and they're going back to the same exact tomb where they saw Jesus was placed days earlier. So the first significant dynamic in Mark 16 that testified to the resurrection is the voracious nature of what these women saw and what they did. Secondly, Something that testifies to the resurrection of Christ is the rolled away stone. Now, when we look at that, you might say to yourself, well, okay, what happened with that stone? Let's look in Mark 16, 4. It says, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. How did it get rolled away? Who did that? Well, the stone was marked with a seal from the Roman guard and the people that would break that seal, literally, it was by penalty of death. The soldiers didn't roll it away. Somebody rolled it away. And that stone, the rolled away stone, is a sign that something unique happened. The women didn't do it. They came up and when they saw that, they knew something was going on there. Why was that stone rolled away? Who did it? How did it happen? You see, many people want to say, well, you know, Jesus rolled it. He wasn't really dead. He, he was wounded, and, and when he got up, he rolled the stone away himself. Really? The people who were experts in the execution said he was dead. The women witnessed his death. They're bringing back embalming materials for Jesus. The stone was not rolled back, by the way, for the benefit of Jesus, Look in John 20, 19. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus came through the door. Jesus didn't need a stone removed for him to get through that. He came through the stone just the same way he came through a door, period. So what did happen? You see, the Lord God sent an angel to take care of that stone. There was a rolled away stone. Anyone that would come and move that by penalty of death, that's what would happen. But someone came and rolled the stone away that couldn't suffer death. Who was it? Let's look at the third sign here. The third testimony to the resurrection of Christ found in this passage. First, it's the credibility of the women, of course, Secondly, we see this rolled away stone. And thirdly, an angel sent by God. Bring up the passage in Mark 16, 5. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. 
Well, I'm sure they were. They're expecting to find the body of Jesus. You see, all the story rings true. They weren't believing Christ had come back from the dead. They're alarmed. They were coming there to embalm him. Something happened. What was it? Well, God sent an angel to roll back the stone. The word of God is quite clear on that. Look at Matthew 28 too. You see, in Mark, it says a young man. Well, this angel took on the manifestation of a young man. This angel has this manifestation. Angels oftentimes take on the form of a human. He took on the form of a young man. And the word of God tells us in Matthew 28 too, there was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. So imagine this. God says, Jesus doesn't need to roll it away, but people need to get in to see. So he sends an angel, as the word of God says, from heaven. So one of the first things that happens with this angel is he rolls back the stone. Secondly, he says to the women, don't be alarmed, right? God sent an angel to minister to the women. Imagine if they just came there and saw this thing roll back, what would they be thinking? But the word of God tells us that God is ministering to these women even at that time. Because frankly, you and I would be very alarmed if you walk into that tomb just seeing Jesus' body wasn't there and there was a rolled away stone. So what about angels? The Word of God tells us all about angels. And Hebrews 1.14 tells us a lot of what we need to know. It said, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? God was ministering to the women there, the angels telling them, don't be alarmed. Now, it was a frightening sight, obviously, but God was ministering even in the midst of all that was taking place to the needs of these women. But not only that, we get to see something else where he was ministering. I want you to see this. It's found in Matthew 28, 4. God sent an angel as a sign to the tomb guards. It says the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So we don't know how the appearance came if they watched this angel come on down, but there was a brightness that came from this angel, and it says they shook and became like dead men. They were filled with, filled with utter terror. It tells us a lot about what God did with this. He ministered to the women. He got the stone rolled away where the stone is out of the way, and he also gave a sign to these people who were watching this tomb. Remember, later on in, in, in a couple of the other gospels, we're told that they were paid off to lie about what happened. But they knew what happened. God even ministered to the lost pagan people who were there and showed them, here's who's going to roll this stone away. They shook and became like dead men. That's filled with utter terror. So we can see from this, that we have the witness of the women, their credibility. We have the witness of this rolled away stone. We have the witness of the angel. And we also have another witness. And that witness is the missing body of Jesus. Bring up the next verse in Mark chapter 6. The angel says, don't be alarmed. It's a command. And why is he saying that? Because they were alarmed, just like we would be. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. You see how even the angels in heaven knew what had taken place. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So the angel lays it out for the women who were there. 
he tells them the story of what had happened. He was crucified. They laid him here, but he's no longer here. He has risen. Wow. What an incredible thing. And so what we see from this is some incredible things. First of all, the women entered the tomb. The tombs back in that day and time were big enough to where you could actually have your whole family buried there one at a time. They had little shelves inside of these carved out tombs. And on those shelves, they would keep clay jars after the body would decay. They'd put the bones in these clay jars called ossuaries. And after a certain period of time, a family would go in, gather the bones of their loved one, put them in these clay jars, and then make room for the next loved one where they would actually have kind of like a mausoleum. The whole family would be in there. So they enter this tomb. They walk in, had enough room for people to be inside, obviously, which is very typical, the ones you'd see there from back in that day and time in Israel today. And the angel verified that Jesus was crucified. The angel proclaimed he is risen. The women saw that Jesus was not there. These are credible people. The women see it and they know it. Something happened right here. So we've got the women, the rolled away stone, the angel, the missing body, all testifying to the resurrection. But I want you to see verse 7, the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. The Word of God tells us in verse 7 of Mark 16, the angel says, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now stay on that verse for just a second because it's important. Think about this. A messenger from heaven was well aware of the fact that Jesus told his disciples that he was going to meet them in Galilee. And why does he say, and Peter? Because Peter was deeply hurt. He wept after he denied Christ three times publicly. After he shouted and declared, I'll never deny Christ. I'll go to my death. So even from heaven, God brings down ministry to someone that denied him. Angels aware of that. He's just bringing forth the message. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Well, where did he tell them that? He told them that in other passages. Where is the promise found in Mark 14, 28? Before he is crucified, before he is crucified, Laid in a tomb, Jesus said to this, he said, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Angel was aware of the promise. The disciples were aware of the promise, but they didn't know exactly what it meant. But there it is. After I have risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. And the angel repeats the promise. Wow. Another testament to the truth found in God's word. It says that just as he told you, and he did, Christ told the truth. And it comes out very clearly in this passage. We also want to see and look at this, the promise. Jesus stays true to his word. It says in Titus 1-2 that God cannot lie. Jesus made a promise, and he fulfilled his promise. And we can see in the Gospels, he did go ahead of them and did meet them in Galilee. 
But I want you to see something else as we go forward. We've got the women, the stone, the angel, the missing body, the promise. I want you to see the natural response. Put yourself, if you can, back in that day and time. You're going to that tomb. You're expecting to find a body. And what do you find? You find an angel from heaven. You find this messenger that's there. By this time, no doubt, the soldiers have been dispersed. They probably, as they were just dead men, they walk away or run away in utter fear. But I want you to see the human natural response of the women and see if it makes sense, human sense. See if Scripture is telling the truth of what happens to people. It says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Do you see how true that rings of Scripture? It doesn't say, oh, yeah, the women knew that would happen, and they ran out and started telling everyone about Jesus at that point. No. It rings true that they were what? Word of God tells us. They were trembling and bewildered. Now, the word trembling there, we get our idea of tremor like in an earthquake. They were visibly shaken. If you had seen or I had seen what they had seen, we'd be trembling also. Think about the reality of what's taking place. See how this rings true of something that's remarkable? It includes words like that that are important for us to see. Because all of these signs, not individually, but all put together in the Mark 16 narrative, will give us these 10 significant dynamics that testified to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were trembling and bewildered. And it says they fled from the tomb. That sounds like people who were definitely trembling and bewildered. Incredible story. Now let's keep on going. Let's look at the next dynamic that we have here. The appearance of Jesus to Mary Magdalene. Now, we're going to park here for a minute or two because it's important. When you read about Mary Magdalene, you see someone, well, we're going to look and see what the Word of God says. First, it says in verse Mark Mark 16, 9 and 10, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Automatically, in my mind, a question comes up, why first to her? Why, out of all the people that Jesus ministered to after all those years, why to her first? I think it's a pertinent question. It's an important question, and I want to look at that. Because does this fit the nature, the character, the essence of who Jesus is and what he's about? So let's look at Mary Magdalene for a minute, and perhaps we can put ourselves back in that day and time and ask ourselves, would he appear to us in that kind of order that he did with Mary Magdalene, appeared to her first. Why? Let's look at it. She had been forgiven and healed from so much. I have to ask myself the same question. I've been forgiven so much. Am I grateful for that? Are you? You see, the resurrection, God had power over sin, power over death. We've all been forgiven so much, haven't we? And she remained at the cross through the whole ordeal. The Word of God tells us in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that she remained there during the whole ordeal. 
How many people do you think were there that were followers of Jesus, that had the courage and the loyalty to stay there? She was loyal and she loved Jesus. Keep looking. She was present when Jesus was taken down from the cross. She was there at the very last moment at his burial. She refused to leave the tomb after Peter and John verified that Jesus' body was missing. Do you see a connection here? Do you see what she was about? She's there from the start of the crucifixion through the whole crucifixion. She follows them to the tomb. The Gospels record it. She stays there after Peter and John leave. Because she loved Jesus and she was loyal to Jesus. Now let's look and let's see if this fits into the character and nature of who Jesus is about. Jesus responded to her, meeting her need first of all, because she was there for Jesus all the way through. It's really touching. And when you're just reading through the Gospels, you may miss some of the tenderness of what's taking place here. It's not just telling us chronologically that Jesus appears to her first. It's telling us something about Jesus' attitude towards those who love him and who are loyal to him. It tells us something about Mary Magdalene, about her courage, about her care, about her love. There was someone he was going to appear to first. And it was Mary, because she was loyal. She stayed through to the whole thing. You see, he tells us in just a few chapters before that, that to satisfy the crowd, Pilate gives Jesus over to be crucified. And the Word of God uses that sentence. It says he was to satisfy the crowd. There are many people out there trying to satisfy the crowd and will have the applause of the world today. Mary wasn't out there to satisfy the crowd. She was out there to satisfy her Lord, to stay loyal to him, to love him from the deepest part of her heart. And Jesus loved her. What does Jesus honor? Someone who had all these issues in life. He cast seven demons out of her. She became incredibly loving and loyal to him. And you can follow through in that chronology. And I looked at it and I studied that. She was there in all those places. She never left. She stayed with Jesus all the way through. Do you know there's some people that when times get hard, they leave the Lord. They question the Lord. And it's okay to have some temporary questions to bring before God. Mary stayed true all the way. Talk about loyalty. She speaks to my heart, and I understand from the dynamics that are there that she probably speaks to your heart even today. Think about what she did. When so many others ran, Jesus rewards her and responds to her need first because she responded to Jesus first in her life. I love that. What a precious thing to have been recorded in the Word of God for what she did. She was loving and she abandoned herself to follow her Lord all the way through no matter what it cost. Now, Think about this in, in, the next, in the next point have, the immediate unbelief of the disciples. Of course, as we go through, we have the women, the stone, we have the missing body, we have the promise, we have the natural response, we have the appearance to Mary Magdalene, but also we have the unbelief of the disciples. See if this fits true. See if this rings true in your experience of people and how the Bible reveals the disciples to us from the Word of God. It says, when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. 
does it ring true? You see, it rings true because the disciples had all run away. None of them said, oh yeah, Jesus said he would come back from the dead. Jesus said he was going to rise again. Jesus said he was going to meet us in Galilee. No, none of them say it. They disbelieve the example. And so we get to see something like this, that this is consistent. And that's when we look in the Bible. Is this consistent to how the disciples had acted? Well, let's look. It says in, in the Word of God that the, uh, the disciples, what? Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them. Why? For their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. It's too bad that one of the things Jesus had to do, as opposed to not having to rebuke Mary, appears to her first, that he rebuked them. Why? For their lack of faith. That's what happens. We all need to get a rebuke when we have a lack of faith. And during times especially like this, we need to check our faith and see what it's based in. Is it based in statistics? Is it based in fears of certain things can happen to us when God said, the only thing to fear is me. Trust me and serve me first. You see, the disciples had to get a rebuke, even though Jesus told them time and time again. But it rings true and consistent to what they had done all the way through the time that Jesus called them and ministered to them. There were people who lacked faith. That's not the first time that Jesus said you've lacked some faith. Remember there, Jesus was sleeping in a boat and the boat's in trouble. What does Jesus do? Oh, you of little faith. It's not the first time. It's consistent with the attitude of the disciples. It testifies to the resurrection because it testifies to the truthfulness of their character. It doesn't just say that if someone just wrote it to say, oh, yeah, we remember now. The Bible tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And it talks about the inconsistency and unbelief of people that were professing to be followers of Jesus. So what else happens? The continued unbelief of the disciples. Not only does Mary come to tell them, there's continued unbelief. Let's look at the passage. In Mark 16, 12, and 13. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. Most scholars tend to agree this is on the road to Emmaus. It was uh, west of, of Jerusalem. They returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. We find continual belief. They had some time to process what Mary had said. They had some time to process what Jesus had told them, but they have continual unbelief. It rings true to them. That's what they were about. They were not believing at this point, period. I like the fact that the Bible is consistent with the nature of the people. You see, we have all of these elements. Not one taken by themselves is a tremendous testimony to the resurrection. But when you put all 10 of these together, and we're at number nine right now, when you put all 10 together, you begin to see a story that's consistent with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see the women, the stone, the missing body, the promise, the natural response that the women had. We see the appearance to Mary Magdalene fitting in with the nature of Jesus. We see the unbelief of the disciples. We see the continued unbelief of the disciples. But I guess the main point of this whole thing gets wrapped up 
in the unbelievable transformation. Because as you read this passage, when you see the unbelief, the disbelief, the lack of loyalty, the lack of faith, I want you to look at several verses here, also in Mark 16, that tell us what happened. It says, later appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And then we go down to verse 20. It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord, what? Worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. So what do we have? We have something that's quite consistent with people who have been transformed beyond what they actually, what their body was in mind was telling them. These were people of unbelief. They disbelieved Mary. They disbelieved the witnesses. They disbelieved Jesus until something happened. Jesus appears to them. And then we see this unbelievable transformation that only could have taken place to the degree that it did by men that saw the risen Christ. What makes me say that? What makes me say that is they've gone from terror, they've gone from unbelief, they've gone from disbelief, disloyalty to actually all but one of the original apostles, all but one that remained, gave their lives for Jesus. Now, how could that happen? How could you get a group of men married with families? The Word of God tells us that uh, when Jesus would visit Peter, stayed in his mother-in-law's house, he had family. These people had families. They were real people like you and I. Would you give your life up for a lie if you knew it was a lie? They scattered to different places, and all individually, they gave their lives. Because why? Because they saw the risen Savior. They knew it was true at that point. We see people who are hiding, who are fearing, who have run away from Jesus, now going out there and preaching everywhere about the risen Christ. Wow. You see, the story of Easter for every one of us has a story of transformation, isn't it? Has God transformed you? And he's in the process of transforming us. It's called sanctification, where we become more like Jesus. But the story of Easter, and as you're sitting at your, in your home now, listening to this, as perhaps you had your Bible there going through the narrative, you get to see something that's so important, and we can't miss it. Lives are transformed by the risen Jesus. Lives are transformed in an unbelievable transformation. Maybe even today there's some things in your life that perhaps haven't been transformed by the gospel yet. Maybe when you see this miraculous transformation, you say, wow, if, I'd, if I had seen him, I'd have done the same thing. Well, dear friends, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. You see, I believe, like so many of you, I've seen him through eyes of faith. I can read the narrative and I can see 
10 different dynamics that ring true and testify to the resurrection. I could look at the women, the stone, the angel, the missing body, the promise, the natural response the women had and that the soldiers had. The appearance to Mary Magdalene, the unbelief of the disciples, the continued unbelief of the disciples, then the unbelievable transformation. How and why? It rings true to say they were willing to die because they found out the real truth about what truly happened. Today, if there's some issues in your heart, perhaps even in your witness, where God doesn't have full control over that yet, what I'd like you to do right now is simply just bow your head. If you're with your family or friends, just bow your head. It's a time of prayer. The early church met in homes. Many of them had house churches. They met in homes. You're there. The body, the church, Christ resides resides in people. So you're the church right now. Bow before him. As you test your heart before God even right now, is your witness as powerful as it needs to be? Have you let some fear get into the way of being a witness even while you're at home? Are there some people maybe that you need to call to be aware of the fact that while they're home and may be struggling, you can be a witness by your phone. You can be a witness through a letter. You can be a witness in some kind of an uh, Instagram message. Somehow, some way, there's ways to do it. Are you being a bold witness for Jesus? You see, Mary wasn't ashamed to stay there the whole way through. Jesus appears to her first. Wouldn't you like that to be said of, of you? that Jesus sees your loyalty, that he sees your love. Well, today is a day to put that on the line. Today's the day to go before God and say, God, by your power, by your strength, I want to stay committed to you. I want to have a love and loyalty like Mary did. I want to be, have this transformation like the disciples. God, I may not ever be a Billy Graham or an Apostle Paul, but I don't have to be. I need to be the best me for you that I can be. And today, God, I want to be transformed in that way. And while we're at home and while we're here, I want to use my home as a witness. I want to use technology as a witness for you. And if you've been praying that prayer or thinking along as I've been speaking about that, I pray that you leave refreshed. I pray that this Easter Sunday is the best one you've ever had. I pray that as you look at the narrative and what God has left us, that you leave with that wonderful message about transformation. None of us have to be the same. I've said it before. I'll say it again right now. There are a lot of things that people did in the first century that looked really stupid to that culture and to the people back then that, in that day and time. They looked foolish. They looked idiotic. One such example, which I cited as someone earlier today, is when we find a bottle of perfume that was worth a whole lot of money, an alabaster jar that was broken and spilled on Jesus, anointing Jesus. It was called foolish. She was chastised for it. I want to say to you that some things that looked stupid back then don't look stupid today. She made an investment that day. Mary did. Other people in the Word of God, the disciples did doesn't look foolish today, 2,000 years later. And for all eternity, it'll stand as a great decision. If there's some great decisions that you need to make on God's economy, not the world's economy, and it may look foolish, some of your relatives or friends may call you a little bit fanatical or may just blow you even off. 
But you stay true to the word of God and God will bless you. There are people out there that are looking for some answers, even in the midst of all that's going on. We have the answer in Christ, the ultimate answer, because whether you leave by a coronavirus or you leave by some other means, natural death, some other disease, we will live on this earth until we die. And the most important question anyone can answer is where I'll spend eternity. And even if you're watching today and don't have a certain feeling in your heart of where you'd spend eternity, dear friend, Here's what Jesus did when he hung on the cross. He bled and died for our sins. He suffered for our our punishment he took upon himself. While we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Heaven's a perfect place. To get into God's heaven, we must have a perfection, and we can't earn it. None of us are good enough to have been perfect. We're not perfect. That's what God did. Jesus Christ came to this earth, took on human flesh, went to the cross, And that first Easter, he came out of the tomb, threw the stone, and paid the price for all the sins. All our sins have been left in the grave. And friend, today, if you by faith will receive the payment that Christ has done, you can't earn salvation, you can't earn heaven. The Bible says it's a gift. It says it's grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Receive that gift of Easter. By telling Christ, Christ, I understand I could never get into heaven. I'm not good enough. I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. I come to you as the one that paid for all of my sin. I put my faith and trust in you today. Not in a religion, not in Lawndale Baptist Church or a pastor or some other system, but in you as the Savior. You bled and died for my sins. You rose that first Easter Sunday from the grave, made the complete payment for sin. And today, I want to receive that payment. I want to receive forgiveness. So when I go to bed on Easter Sunday, 2020, I go to bed knowing that if I were to leave this earth, I'll go to heaven for eternity because of what you've done, not because of anything I've done, because of you. So wherever you are out there today, wherever you are in your heart, whether you're having a transformation time to be a bold witness and loyal to Christ, Or if you haven't invited him into your life yet, what a great day to do it. God bless you, church, and all those who are listening today. I pray that God has blessed you through this passage in Mark 16. Look forward to getting together again soon. We keep praying for that to come about in a real soon manner. So we'll leave that to God and put it in his control. Meanwhile, Jesus says, occupy until I come. That means let's stay busy for him. I love you, church. God bless you. Thank you for watching today.